It's time to think about the Bible like you never have before. This is Christian Questions. After the podcast, check out everything ChristianQuestions.com has to offer. Also see our weekly video series releases at ChristianQuestions.com slash YouTube. Now, here's your hosts, Rick and Jonathan. Woodrow Wilson once said, Loyalty means nothing unless it has at its heart the absolute principle of self-sacrifice. I'm Rick, and this is not your typical Christian commentary as we look at Bible-related topics from a different perspective. I'm Jonathan. This podcast centers on godly principles, family values, and honest dialogue in a politically free zone. Folks, talk to us anytime at ChristianQuestions.com or our social media channels. Download some after-episode extras, such as our thorough Seeker Rewind show notes and our bonus Bible study questions available on our individual episode pages. And look for new videos for all ages every week at ChristianQuestions.com slash YouTube. So, Jonathan, what's on the table? Well, Rick, our question is, is obedience more important than sacrifice? And our theme text is found in Proverbs chapter 21, verses 2 and 3. Every man's way is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the hearts. To do righteousness and justice is desired by the Lord more than sacrifice. Okay, is obedience more important than sacrifice? As Christians, we're always reminded of the importance of sacrificing our own will to do the will of God. Our faithfulness is a direct result of the effort we put into our sacrificial lives. The Old Testament overflows with regulations and propriety regarding making sacrifices to God. These include not only animal sacrifices, but grain, oil, and other things as well. In short, sacrifice is an enormous part of the entire Bible. Why? Were sacrifices to be made to get God's attention? Is a sacrifice in the Old and New Testament there to show God we're sorry for our sins? What about the principle of obeying God's will? How does that fit in? So coming up in today's podcast, did you ever wonder if we make too much of things? What are obedience and sacrifice anyway? And does it make a difference which one comes first? I mean, really, how does this fit in with our sins and our mistakes? Well, in segments one and two, we lay out the meanings of obedience and sacrifice and give a practical, real-life example in each segment to learn from. Now, what about the people around us? How does our obedience to God affect our ability to have good relationships? And what about times when we know our standards don't match others? Are we supposed to sacrifice those standards of ours? Segments three and four focus on a Christian's social standings. You want to hear that. And finally, how do we stand firmly in obedience to God in a world that is progressively walking further away from him? Segment 5 gives a stark example of what this might look like. Can we obey without sacrificing, and can we sacrifice without obeying? If we were to put obedience on one side of a scale and sacrifice on the other side, which would carry more weight? Ah, those are good questions, and we're going to take a good look at those questions as we get started. Is obedience more important than sacrifice? So, Jonathan, let's start by saying, okay, in the Scriptures, in the Old Testament specifically to begin with, what does obey actually mean? Well, Rick, it means to hear intelligently, often with implication of attention, obedience. Okay, to hear intelligently. That's kind of an interesting way to put 
uh, a definition. So to hear with understanding with the implication of obedience. To hear, to obey is hearing and following through intelligently and loyally. It comes from both heart and mind. That is what obedience in the Old Testament really means. And Jonathan, we have a, an interesting few lines from a, a, an article written by a Jewish rabbi um, about understanding the sacrifices of the Old Testament. We often think of sacrifices in the temple in terms of buying off an angry deity and lots of blood and guts. Alas, these pagan ideas show how much our thinking has been influenced by other cultures. God is not lacking anything and does not need our sacrifices, animal or any other kind. The offering that were brought into the temple, like all the commandments, were not done for God. They were done for us. See, this is an important point. And, you know, the, 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 the comparison that he makes with pagan ideas of sacrifice versus the Jewish understanding of sacrifice, it's a world of difference. We need to understand that as a basis for our conversation. So, Jonathan, as we, as we begin to go through this, when we were talking the other day about getting ready for, the, for this uh, particular podcast, you had mentioned some, some ideas, some thinking on the process of obedience. And you had several points that we want to introduce throughout this podcast. Let's get started with that. Sure. Obedience is a process. It takes time to learn what the Bible teaches. Okay, now that's a simple, simple statement. But it's a true statement. Do not expect to pick up the Bible, read the Bible, understand the Bible, and have your life changed. It's not going to work. It takes time. It's a process. And Rick, you don't know what you don't know. And that's the key. And that's why having fellowship is such an important part of the learning to be obedient to God. So that's a, a really good point. Just restate that point one more time, Jonathan. It takes time to learn what the Bible teaches. It's simple. It takes time to learn. Okay, so let's put that on the shelf here. Let's talk a little bit about offerings and sacrifice. Several words are used for sacrifice in the Old Testament. The word that we're going to focus on here seems to encompass them all, and it's in Leviticus chapter 1, verse 2. Speak to the sons of Israel and say to them, When any man of you brings an offering to the Lord, you shall bring your offering of animals from the herd or the flock. Okay, so the word for offering is kind of an overview word for sacrifice. So what does that word offering actually mean? Something brought near the altar, that is, a sacrificial present. Okay, so it's something brought near the altar. So it doesn't have to be an animal sacrifice. It's something that you're giving to God from an Old Testament perspective. So here, here's the thing. Sacrifices were meant to be an outward manifestation of inward love and loyalty towards God. This is a key point in understanding this whole conversation. Sacrifice is an outward manifestation of an inward love and loyalty toward God. So, Jonathan, your second point. Obedience is a process. It takes insight to observe faithful Christian examples. Okay, so it takes time to learn what the Bible says, and it takes insight to observe faithful Christian examples. So there, there, there's like, these are like building blocks to learn how to be more obedient to God. And Rick, as we start to learn, observing others is a great way to do that. When I looked in my life, the examples before me were my mother-in-law, Josie, 
what a rock of Christian faith. I just, just learned so much from her. And Rick, also, your mom and dad, uh, Richard and Anna May, were a wonderful Christian examples to me early on in my Christian walk. So what you're saying is obedience to God means looking around to those who we look at and say, wow, they're good examples, and hey, here's a really good idea. Observe and learn, because you, we need to grow up into something like that. So this is a process that we're going to be touching on throughout every segment of the podcast. you got to stay with us because you see the obedience building blocks just fall right into place, and it makes it really simple to understand. Okay, here's the thing. It's easy to misuse sacrifice to appear obedient. And each segment we're going to focus on the misuse of sacrifice to appear obedient. And it's amazing to me how often that appears. So it's something because it appears so often we need to focus on. So what's our first example of misusing sacrifice to appear obedient? King Saul at the pitfalls of personal ego. Okay, we know the story of Saul. We're going to just touch on it briefly here. We Look, here's, here's the thing that happened to Saul. We want to believe that we've carried out the will of God even though we kind of customized and personalized the will of God in the process. Okay, you know, the will of God doesn't have Rick's personal customization stamped on it. Okay, it doesn't. It just doesn't, okay? King Saul was guilty of this customizing. Listen to what happens. First Samuel 15, 20 to 23. We'll take it in a couple of pieces. Then Saul did, said to Samuel, I did obey the voice of the Lord and went on the mission on which the Lord sent me and have brought back Agag, the king of Amalek, and have utterly destroyed the Amalekites. But the people took some of the spoil, the sheep and the oxen, the choicest of things devoted to destruction, to sacrifice to the Lord your God at Gilgal. So right here he's saying, hey, I did what God wanted me to, but it's the people. It was the people's fault. They're the ones who took some of the spoil. And excuse me, sir, you're the king. So stop. Didn't God tell him, don't take anything, no spoil at all. Yes. And he didn't listen. Well, Rick, humanity is very good at diverting the blame, isn't it? Yeah, especially, Jonathan, especially when we get the kind of power that a king like King Saul had. And this is a classic example. And now here's where the whole theme from this entire podcast starts to develop. We're in 1 Samuel chapter 15. Now we're going to go to verses 22 to 23. Samuel said, has the Lord as much delight in burnt offerings and sacrifice as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice and to heed than the fat of rams, for rebellion is in the sin of divination and the insubordination is an iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he also has rejected you from being king. So when... Samuel says to obey is better than sacrifice. He's using that word obey that, that you said the definition was to hear intelligently with the implication of, 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 obey, of, of following through. So to obey is better than sacrifice. See, and here's the thing. Saul knew he disobeyed and he blamed others, but he was sacrificing to God anyway. And that's the problem. He was sacrificing without the obedience. Such misplaced thinking, conclusions, and actions always result in a dramatic loss of further opportunities to serve God. Think about that when we go about our daily Christian lives. 
dramatic loss of further opportunities when we sacrifice without the obedience. We need to learn to obey in order to sacrifice, not sacrifice in order to obey. And Rick, this, these verses in Samuel um, really hit me. Um, there are three words that stuck out. One was heed, the other is rebellion, and the other is insubordination. Now, these were where Saul's uh, downfall took place. And I want to avoid them at all costs. I looked up the definitions in the Hebrew, and heed means to prick up the ears and hearken. Rebellion is defined as bitterness, and insubordination means stubbornness or to be insolent. The lesson I drew is to avoid these three pitfalls. Take God's word to heart and listen to his commands. Do not rebel and be bitter by going against God. Always look to God as our superior. You know, and and not only do you have the, the core of those definitions and those lessons, but it says rebellion is as the sin of divination. I mean, it's a sin of, of spiritism. Insubordination is like iniquity and idolatry. Talk about breaking all of the most important commandments. Right there, just step right up. We have to be careful that we put obedience before everything else. So each segment, Jonathan, we want to end it with an obedient, uh, obey in order to sacrifice lesson. What's the lesson for our initial segment here? Feeding our misguided ego by a public display of sacrifice that should be meant for God may convince us of our faith, but it actually convicts us of our pride. It looks good, but it tastes bitter if you have the honesty to taste it. You know, and the idea of the rabbi, you know, he's talking about using that word for offering as the key, the core of sacrificing. Whatever it is we bring before God, if we're not bringing it as a result of obedience, it will end up being bitter to our soul, and we have to be careful of that. So, obedience and sacrifice are meant to work together. It begins in the heart and ends as an offering to God. Sacrifice grows out of obedience. How then do we handle sacrifice when we commit horrible sins? What's up, everybody? It's your CQ voiceover guy, reminding you we also want to talk to you before and after the podcast. Send us a message at ChristianQuestions.com for any and all feedback, or message us on our social media channels. Have a topic idea or just questions about what we're talking about? Reach out at ChristianQuestions.com. So sacrifice and horrible sins. This is one of those areas where we can easily get off course. Our worst sins can often come to us because of complacency. We become too comfortable with something, and it's too easy to take further inappropriate steps. Fixing this is much more challenging than simply backtracking. And Rick, the momentum of sin happens one step at a time. Ooh. That's such an important thing. Sin has momentum. Do you want to feed it or do you want to make it falter? One step at a time. We've got to be careful here. So how can we possibly be misusing sacrifice to appear obedient? What's next? King David and the price of grossly negligent sins. Okay, so the second example is King David. And we're not saying the price of gross sins, and we're not saying the price of negligent sins. We're saying the price of grossly negligent sins. This is deep, dark sin that we're talking about here. Here's the point. Sacrifice 
is not the answer when we have grossly sinned. Often our gut reaction upon realizing our gross sins is to be sorry, deeply sorry. And folks, this is good. This is important. This is appropriate. But if we live in that sorrow and try to offer God this or that to make up for our sin, we've missed the point. Only true heart repentance, only a dramatic about face in our actions along with an active attempt to right what we've made wrong will bring us before God again. We have to keep our perspective on the right things to do in this situation. Our heart needs to be fervent for God, not cold. Only true heart repentance will bring us to obedience so that God can accept our sacrifice. King Saul's heart was as cold as ice. And you know, it's such an unfortunate thing because he was given such an incredible privilege and honor, and yet he got, became so self-centered that you're right, his heart for God went cold. And with a heart that goes cold toward God, how can you possibly be thinking of, of obeying him? So, Jonathan, let's get back to that process, those steps that you were talking about. Obedience is a process. It takes mistakes to learn, and with God's forgiveness, we can move forward. So, congratulations. You make mistakes. This is awesome, because it takes mistakes to learn. Now, granted, it's best to learn by observing somebody else's mistake, if you can do that. <laughs> but if you Wouldn't can't... Wouldn't that be nice? <laughs> we, our mistakes can actually be stepping stones. So this is really important. It takes mistakes to learn because obedience is a process. And how true is the saying, we learn best from our mistakes? Yeah. And we really do because they're the, those are the things that sting. And so when you get the sting of your mistake, what do you do with it? And that's why we're looking at David now. David, in one of his psalms that was written after his gross sins, prays first for a renewed obedience. Psalm 51, we're only going to touch on a few verses, but the entire psalm is written after some of his worst sins, and you watch the process that he goes through, and it's heart-rending. We're going to drop into Psalm 51, verses 10 through 12, as he's praying for renewed obedience. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation, and sustain me with a willing spirit. So, you know, we're saying he's praying for renewed obedience here. And it says, well, create in me a clean heart, O God. And so are we saying that, you know, okay, God, I know I made a mistake. Just, just send a clean heart to me. I'll, I'll be waiting. It should be an Amazon delivery coming at my door. That's, <laughs> no. that's not what he's saying. When he's saying to God, create in me a clean heart, he's saying, I am now open to you. Help me get there. You know, renew a steadfast spirit. What he's saying is, I am trying to renew myself. I'm struggling. Help me get there. He is praying fervently for that renewed obedience. So he's, seek, he's, he's looking for forgiveness, and that's what we need to do. Seek forgiveness. This means ask for it. This means look for it. This means act on it. And this means live it. To live forgiven is to live in obedience to God's ways. And I'll tell you, there is no better way to get back on track than to live in that obedient way through living the forgiveness once we have committed sin. David then acknowledges what he knows God, what God really wants from him. You know, it's, it's one thing 
to think about what God might want from you. David knew what God wanted from him after his sins. And here in Psalms 51, 15 to 17, he talks about knowing what God wants and his just deep desire to grab hold of it. Psalm 51, 15 to 17. O Lord, open my lips that my mouth may declare your praise. For you do not delight in sacrifice, otherwise I would give it. You are not pleased with burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, you will not despise. Think about the contrast between this attitude and King Saul's attitude. It's huge. It is. You can't get further apart. Oh, the people took the spoil. (laughs) No. You know, and here I am sacrificing. And David says, God, and of course we're paraphrasing, I know you're not delighting in sacrifices, because if you did delight in that, in my condition, I would be giving it. Believe me. But I know that's not what you want. What you want from me is that broken spirit that admits my wrong, that's accountable, that broken and contrite heart. Those are the things you want me to be able to build on. So when we talk about obedience and sacrifice, Jonathan, David, who didn't seem to need to be told that obedience was more important than sacrifice, probably because he knew from Saul. He learned from someone else. He is living it many years later when he commits these gross sins, and you can see why he's a man after God's own heart. God wants our actions to be driven by a righteous heart for Christians, by Christ-like thoughts, words, and deeds. Obey first, foremost, and always, and then sacrifice comes after that. Jonathan, let's get back to that process. Obedience is a process. It takes humility to see our mistakes and missteps. So point four, it takes humility to see our mistakes and missteps. It's really hard sometimes to look at yourself with other eyes and to be able to see what they might see and to be able to accept what they see in our wrongdoing. And this is a mirror question. (laughs) Where have I gone wrong? Yeah. Where, what have I done? Not, not, it's not Rick saying, so let me think about Jonathan this past week. What's the wrong, I wonder? Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah, but that's the wrong thing. It's the wrong thing. It's the wrong question, okay? The whole point is, like you said, looking in the mirror, because for us to sacrifice to God by giving him our time and our effort and whatever it is he is, he, he provides for us to give, is useless without the right obedience. So, We are learning from David in Psalm 51. Doing all of this is obedience and therefore is the sacrifice that God will accept from us. So when you think about it in a certain way, our obedience to God is actually one of the great sacrifices, the offerings that we give to him. Proverbs 21, 1 to 3. This is a very powerful scripture. The king's heart is like channels of water in the hand of the Lord. He turns it wherever he wishes. Every man's way is right in his own eyes, but the Lord weighs the hearts. To do righteousness and justice is desired by the Lord more than sacrifice. Rick, everything is about the heart here. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. You know, and it's interesting because the word for obey, remember, meant to hear intelligently. And so you get a sense of mind. So what we're saying is, 
you have to have that mind's understanding, but it has to have come down and filtered into your heart because obedience doesn't work just from intellect. It doesn't work just from feeling. It works from putting the two together to listen intelligently and then act with the motivation from inside of you. And so you're right. It's all about the heart. Um, to do, and, and again, in this Proverbs scripture, to do righteous and just, righteousness and justice is desired by the Lord more than sacrifice. It's amazing how many times this phrase comes up again and again in scripture. And we're doing an entire podcast focusing on these times that it comes up because we need to understand how important the lesson of obey first and give your offerings to God second is. So with David, he had to repent, okay? So we want to take just a few minutes. Let's understand what it means to repent, and then let's look at a couple of, of, of pieces, especially from a New Testament perspective, as we have to deal with our own sins. So Jonathan, repent. What does it mean in Scripture? To think differently or afterwards, that is, reconsider morally, feel compunction. Okay, and then there's another word for repentance. What does that mean? And that means compunction by implication reversal. Okay, now compunction is not a word we use too often. No, it's not. <laughs> okay, and it, it means une- uneasiness of mind due to feelings of remorse or guilt, a twinge of conscience. The idea of repentance is, is reconsidering. And when you reconsider, you know, you've, you, know you, you took a wrong turn on a road and you're driving down and you're saying, you know, I think that this is the wrong direction. Wrong direction. What do you do? Do you stop and just sulk about it? Oh, boy, what a mistake I made. Look at this. I'm off track. Oh, my goodness gracious. Make a cell phone call. Hey, Jonathan, I'm going to be late because here I am sitting here. I'm on the side of the road. I went the wrong way. Can you believe it? No, you turn around. That's what repentance is. You turn around. Good example of repentance in the New Testament. Matthew eleven twenty one. 21. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the miracles had occurred in Tyre and Sidon, which occurred in you, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and ashes. So you get this sense of repenting in sackcloth and ashes. Sackcloth and ashes are strong, strong tools of recognition. And Rick, this is an evidence of deep sorrow and a public display. It is recognizing deep distress. Rick, sorrow, though, is only the beginning. You know, and that's such an important thing. Sorrow is only the beginning. It really is only the beginning of the process. So repentance, okay? Let's understand what repentance is. Repentance is not regret. Regret causes us to pause because something we thought or did doesn't sit well in our heart or mind, okay? It causes us to pause. Repentance, on the other hand, causes us to stop, observe, process, conclude, and then fundamentally change direction. For more on this topic of repentance, see episode 1082, How Do I Live a Life of Repentance? Also, we suggest checking out the CQ show notes for this episode for helpful graphics on the repentance process at christianquestions.com. And and Rick, this, this last scripture reminded me um, of rem- repentance is not regret. You know, I was thinking of Judas as an example. He regretted what he had done to Jesus, but that was as far as it went. There was no true repentance. Um, sorry, my bad is not enough. Yeah, no, really, really, it's not enough. And, and so, you know, th- this brings to mind the question, okay, so what does a Christian's 
sacrifice or offering actually look like? Because we're not bringing uh, an animal to the altar. We're not bringing grain or oil or incense. So what are we bringing? We're bringing ourselves. We're bringing our opportunities. We're bringing our thoughts. We're bringing our actions. All of those and saying, I am going to sacrifice, offer to you everything about my life. And instead of doing what I want to do as a human being, I am going to do what you would have me to do. I want to think the way you would have me to think. I want to study the things you would have me to study. That's what our offering and our sacrifice looks like. So the, the thing is we have to bring those things before God in the right frame of mind by saying it's because obedience, not because, well, I know I'm supposed to do this, so I'll just do it. That's not what this That's is about. It. No, no, it's bigger than that. It's deeper than that. And we'll, we'll develop that as we go. So, Jonathan, oh, to obey in order to sacrifice lesson based on King David and his sins and his, his understanding. Even when we commit terrible sins, it is our desire to be obedient. That lights the way for true repentance, which opens the door to acceptable sacrificing to God. So, in our sins, the... the the desire to be obedient lights the way for absolutely true repentance. That's what we need to do. That's what we need to focus on here. So even in the hardest circumstances of our worst choices, our willingness to obey is our forgiveness foundation. So far, we have two individual examples. How do obedience and sacrifice work for a whole nation? Did you know we have one-page companion Bible studies for our most recent podcast episodes? Listen to the episode, follow along with our CQ Rewind show notes, and for your own bite-sized Bible study or group study, check out the Bible study questions content. Go to ChristianQuestions.com and click on Bible study in the main menu. Have some study time and then contact us with any additional questions or comments. Now let's continue the conversation. So here's the thing. What's a principle for one should be also a principle for the masses. Think about this. Saul, the first king of Israel, was directly told about obedience and sacrifice. David, Israel's second king, didn't need to be told as he undoubtedly knew of Saul's downfall. So now we can look at Israel as a nation because undoubtedly they also were educated on the past experiences and the missteps of their previous leaders. So now we take a look at Israel as a nation in this segment with regard to obedience and sacrifice. So we had King Saul, we had King David, and now we go the next step. So the problem is in every time, in every circumstance, the easy thing is to misuse sacrifice to appear obedient. What's our third example? Israel and the lore of social acceptance. Let's think about this carefully. The lure of social acceptance. Doesn't that sound just a bit familiar to the society we live in now? See, sacrifice becomes completely worthless to God when the direction of our lives does not reflect obedience to his way. That's a powerful thought. Our life path directly reflects the destiny of any sacrifice we offer up to God. For Israel, and this prophecy we're going to look at in Isaiah, it spoke to the two-tribe southern kingdom of Judah. So for Israel to be called Sodom is, is telling in this prophecy. So Israel's called Sodom, but it's really talking about Israel, about Judah, as they had fallen into widespread lip service sacrificing. And boy, is that common these days. While their lives actually mocked God. 
And Rick, before we read that scripture, those last two words, mocked God, yeah. uh, that was a wake-up call for me. Uh, looking back at my Christian walk uh, with the mistakes I've made, yes, I have done that in my past. And I don't want to do it again and bring reproach to God with a lack of, of obedience. So that really was a wake-up call for me to hear those words because I, I just, it would break my heart to continue to do that when I should know better. You know, and, and th- th- this becomes a difficult area because, okay, we, we say, okay, well, I should know better. And then we make more mistakes. And then we can get really, really down on ourselves and say, well, wait, wait, I should know better. Okay, maybe we should. The thing is, just like you've been saying all along, obedience is a process. And we'll get to your next point in a little bit. But the idea is, look, don't expect perfection in your actions and your thoughts along the way. What we do want to expect, what we do want to anticipate is growth, is observation and learning along the way. That's what we want to get here. And that's part of our offering to God, is, is the learning and the changing and the growing and the developing. So we're going to go to Isaiah chapter, chapter uh, 1, verses 10 through 17, and we'll take it in, in uh, two or three pieces. Let's start with verses 10 through 12. Hear the word of the Lord, you rulers of Sodom. Give ear to the instruction of our God, you people of Gomorrah. What are your multiplied sacrifices to me? says the Lord. I have had enough of burnt offerings of rams and of the fat of fed cattle, and I have no pleasure in the blood of bulls, lambs, or goats. When you come to appear before me, who requires of you this trampling of my courts? See, it's interesting because God in the law put all of these incredible numbers of sacrifices and rituals before Israel. And he's saying, you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this, you need to do this. And here he's saying, you know what? What are these multiplied sacrifices? Yeah, I've had enough of burnt offerings and the fat of fed cattle. I don't take pleasure in all of this. Why? Because they were not being obedient. And he talks about them trampling his courts, plural. Interesting comment from the commentary of Matthew Poole on that. The courts of my temple, which were two, that of the priests and that where the people assembled. Second Chronicles 4 verse 9. So this reproof seemed to be directed against both priests and people as unworthy to enjoy this privilege. So this is looking at, now this, this particular prophecy is focused on Judah, the two-tribe southern kingdom, but it's saying all of you are guilty of this offering sacrifices, not out of obedience, but out of, out of uh, repetition, out of, well, I know I'm supposed to, so I will. And so no one's exempt here. No, that's the point. Nobody's exempt. All right, verses 13 and 14 from Isaiah 1. Bring your worthless offerings no longer. Incense is an abomination to me. New moon and Sabbath, the calling of assemblies. I cannot endure iniquity and the solemn assembly. I hate your new moon festivals and your appointed feasts. They have been a burden to me. I am weary of bearing them. Okay, so, you know, last week, Jonathan, we talked about the Sabbath and how critically important the Sabbath was, you know, in the, in the Jewish law. Here, God, through Isaiah, is saying, your offerings, your new moon rituals, the Sabbath, calling of assemblies, are of no meaning to me. How could that be? Because the Sabbath was of no meaning to them, and therefore it was of no meaning to God. So when we offer our lives to God, it has to be of meaning to us that we're doing it with sincerity 
And that's what he was telling Israel. Verses 15 through 17. So when you spread out your hands in prayer, I will hide my eyes from you. Yes, even though they multiply prayers, I will not listen. Your hands are covered with blood. Wash yourselves, make yourselves clean. Remove the evil of your deeds from my sight. Cease to do evil. Learn to do good. Seek justice. Reprove the ruthless. Defend the orphan. Plead for the widow. And Rick, this last verse, verse 17, you know, the qualities here mentioned are those lessons Jesus was looking for from the scribes and Pharisees so that they could learn to do good, seek justice, reprove the ruthless, defend the orphans, and plead for the widows. So what Isaiah is telling us is he's actually speaking, he's, he's exposing the heart of God before his people. And he's saying, if you truly want to honor your God, these are the things you need to do. The sacrifice comes after. The literal ritualistic sacrifices come after your heart is in the place and your mind has decided to honor God first and foremost. See, sacrifice is designed as a tool of connection to God. God doesn't need the sacrifices. We do. We need to look at our lives as offerings because it's designed as a connection, a tool of connection to God. We feed off of one another's example. So the question we have to ask is, okay, if I feed off somebody else's example, what am I eating? (laughs) You know, (laughs) what's their example? What am I eating? Outward group gestures with no inward conscience are not acceptable to God. Let me say that again. Outward group gestures with no inward conscience are not acceptable to God. Get this into your heads, folks. This is so important obedience first. The gestures are all wonderful, and Sunday go-to-meeting gestures, great, but they can be worthless if their heart's not in the right place. We're not fooling God. Yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. That makes it simple. You know, you should have said that before. You would have saved me a whole lot of talking. (laughs) You can't fool him. We can fool ourselves. We can fool the people around us, but not the Almighty. 1 Peter 2.5. You also, as living stones, are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. Offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. As living stones, we're a spiritual house, and those spiritual sacrifices are the things of our life that we put before God and say, I truly, from the bottom of my heart, from the top of my intellect to the bottom of my heart, want to serve you with this. That's how we we get where we need to go. So Jonathan, the the process, step number, or point number five, rather. Obedience is a process. It takes maturity to be consistent. Yeah, and it takes time to get to maturity. So let's not expect it up front. Let's expect it as a part of the process. And it takes some longer than others. You know, we cannot be too judgmental. For me to judge my own obedience is key. We should not judge the obedience of others unless it is harmful to others. Yeah, you know, and even when we see somebody doing something that's harmful, what we need to be able to do is approach that with the idea that maybe I'm misunderstanding. And it's, it's appropriate to approach it, but also appropriate to have ears to listen to make sure that what we see or what we thought we saw is in fact truth. So, all of this, Jonathan, has to come, it comes down to, you know what, it's really simple. Do what Jesus did. 
and you're on the right track. That's really what Beautiful. it comes down to. Beautiful. See, and, and the next phrase I'm going to mention comes directly from the next scripture we're going to talk about. But God has no desire for the loyalty of a morning cloud. Sounds very poetic, okay? It does. <laughs> Billowing and obvious until the sun burns it away and reveals nothing but vapor. So this next message in the, in the book of Hosea was to both the ten-tribe northern kingdom and the southern kingdom as well. And it held the same warnings as the messages we just looked at in Isaiah. So now this is to all of Israel, and here's what it, it, it says. Um, here's what it says. Uh, we're in uh, Hosea 6, verses 4 to 7, and this is going to end up being an important New Testament text as a reference point. What shall I do with you, O Ephraim? That's the ten-tribe kingdom. What shall I do with you, O Judah? And that's the two-tribe kingdom. For your loyalty is like a morning cloud and like the dew which goes away early. Therefore, I have hewn them in pieces by the prophets. I have slain them by the words of my mouth. And the judgments on you are like the light that goes forth. You know, your loyalty is like the dew on the grass. It's so thorough until the sun comes up and burns it away in an hour or two. So we can't have our loyalty like that. This is what God is saying to them. Let's continue verses 6 and 7 from Hosea chapter 6. For I delight in loyalty, which is kindness and piety, rather than sacrifice, and in the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. But like Adam, they have transgressed the covenant. There they have dealt treacherously against me. So it's interesting like Adam, they've transgressed the covenant. Israel has transgressed the covenant. Adam transgressed the covenant. The point is, obedience was put aside for something else. And that is just not the way to honor God. It just simply isn't. So the question we have to ask ourselves is, what is the substance of my personal obedience? Is it a billowing and vapor-filled cloud? Or is my obedience a living breathing example of heart and mind, wanting and desiring and trying to, to serve God. Rick, when we were discussing this the other day, you shared the lesson of obedience over sacrifice like a chronological building block which consumes every part of God's plan. That is so true. It started with Adam. And obedience is this chronological building block that you see throughout every part of Scripture. Those who obeyed God were blessed by God. Those who did not, not so much. So what we see is if we are called to be footstep followers of Jesus, obedience has got to be the reason for those things that we offer to God. Not to look good, not to feel good, not to solve our conscience or to impress our neighbors, but to actually honor God. What's our obedience in order to sacrifice lesson here? Extraordinary care must be taken to avoid being a poor example of obedience. We also must thoroughly resist following poor examples. Sacrifice has its place. See, we're not saying that sacrifice is no good. No, 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 no. No, what we're saying is sacrifice is entirely appropriate in the right format, in the right circumstances. And our heart has to be behind it. And, you know, and Jonathan, it brings up another question, which we'll touch on at the beginning of the next segment. That is, okay, well, you know, you've heard of fake it till you make it. 
You know, right. what yeah. about that? How are we going to deal with that? So we'll, we'll touch on that in the next segment. But until then, look, all Israel was clearly warned. This tells us that the obedience and sacrifice equation was a major foundation. Don't follow the crowd. How do we go about properly lifting ourselves above the crowd's standards? Other podcasts may have show notes, but we have the ultimate bonus episode show notes that simply go way beyond and are much more comprehensive. Look for the CQ Rewind show notes tab on our episode pages. And a big thank you to our Christian Questions volunteer team for releasing this exclusive content every week on ChristianQuestions.com. Now, it's obvious that a proper understanding of obedience and sacrifice is necessary on all levels of life. The next danger we may encounter regarding obedience and sacrifice is our perception of ourselves. Do I see myself as better than others because of my brand of Christianity? So what's the right balance? Jonathan, we have a quote. I'm not sure where it came from, but it's a really good quote, so we're using it. Everybody wants loyalty, consistency, and somebody who won't quit. But everyone forgets that to get that person, you have to be that person. So in personal relationships, we want loyalty and consistency and no quit. Great. It's great to want that. But to want that, you should be that. And that is really very appropriate when we look at our relationship with God. So, so Jonathan, before we get into the next points, I just want to just touch on the idea of, okay, well, what about when I don't feel like, you know, my heart's not in what I should be doing, but I know I should be doing it. Do you do it or you say, well, my heart's not in, so I'm just not going to do it. My, my heart's not in going to my church services this morning. So, you know, Rick and Jonathan said it, my heart should be in it, so I'm just not going to go. So that's back to fake it till you make it kind of thing? Yeah, yeah. And see, Jonathan, we should go. We should go. Well, wait, isn't that contradictory? No, because the idea of going is to say, Lord, my heart's not in the right place. I know this is the right thing for me to do. Please help me to do this right thing and get my heart behind it because I know I'm lacking. So yes, we should do the things that we need to do with the idea, with the, 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 the prayer of help me get it so it really is coming from inside of me rather than from outside of me. Excellent. That's a great, great thought. Yeah, we, we need to keep, keep that in mind. So, Jonathan, let's go to your next obedience uh, process point. This is point number six. Obedience is a process. It takes compassion and mercy when there is lack of obedience in others. We have to be merciful and compassionate when we're dealing with others who may have faults. And guess what? <laughs> we do too. <laughs> That's right. It's this is like what? Really? No, this is this is natural normal life even among Christians. And the longer we walk in Christ, the gentler we should become. Yeah. We should become more merciful. We really should. And we're going to get get to that uh, shortly, but you know the whole idea is to become like Jesus would be if he were sitting in my seat right now. So again, it's easy to misuse sacrifice to appear obedient. What's our fourth example of that? The price of feeling superior. And, you know, and, you know, and this is not even the price of being superior. That's a whole different story, okay? But the price of feeling superior. To use sacrifice as a tool to condemn others is a calculable result 
of misrepresentation of sacrifice. Translation, when you're using your sacrifice or somebody's lack of sacrifice to point your finger at somebody else, you're misrepresenting it. That's what you're doing. We must always avoid a system of thinking that says, I know you don't, and you are therefore unacceptable. Forget that. Who do you think you are? Who would I think I am by saying that? This is destructive and contrary to what sacrifice is intended to accomplish. Because sacrifice, remember, is that heart connection to God. It's that I want God to have my will and my way, and it's that, that desire to be connected to him. So now let's take a look, and we actually reviewed some of these scriptures in last week's podcast on the Sabbath. Matthew 12, verses 1 through 7, and we'll take it in a couple of pieces. At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath, and his disciples became hungry and began to pick the heads of grain and eat. But when the Pharisees saw this, they said to him, Look, your disciples do, do what not is what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. So here they are. They're looking at Jesus' disciples saying, Aha, got him. Look at that. They're violating the Sabbath. You know, and they're, what are they doing? They're just picking on something outward to create condemnation. What does Jesus do? But Jesus said to them, You have not read what David did when he became hungry he and his companions, how he entered the house of God, and they ate the consecrated bread, which was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those with him, but for the priests alone. Or have you not read in the law that on the Sabbath the priests in the temple break the Sabbath and are innocent? But I say to you that something greater than the temple is here. But if you had known what this means, I desire compassion and not sacrifice, you would have not condemned the innocent. And Rick, that scripture we just talked about in the last segment, Hosea verse 6. Hosea 6, 6, I desire compassion and not sacrifice. So when Israel in the Old Testament was misrepresenting sacrifice, God scolded them dramatically and punished them. Jesus is simply reminding the Pharisees of their ancestry and saying, remember this? I desire compassion, not sacrifice. See, condescension condemns the innocent. It really does. And therefore, condescension condemns the heart of those who are condemning. So we have to understand, this thing turns back on us if our heart is not right. We need to have obedience as the first thing. Another example, Matthew 9, verses 10 to 13. Then it happened that as Jesus was reclining at the table in a house, behold, many tax collectors and sinners came and were dining with Jesus and his disciples. When the Pharisees saw this, they said to his disciples, Why is your teacher eating with the tax collectors and sinners? But when Jesus heard this, he said, It is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. But go and learn what this means. I desire compassion and not sacrifice. For I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. There it comes again. <laughs> Jesus was teaching this all-important lesson, and that's exactly how King Saul failed. He was rejected as a king because of his sins of not heeding, being rebellious, and insubordinate. Sounds like the Pharisees. And again, Jesus brings the same— Why does he bring the same lesson? Because it is one of the core factors of the entire— history of humanity in relation to God. We need to obey him first and foremost. And obedience is that intelligent listening 
that says, I'm listening, I'm absorbing it into my head, I understand it, and I am letting it work through my heart so I live that which I understand. And you know what? We fail, and we fall, and we come up short, and that's okay. It's okay, because the desire, that's what God wants, the desire. Not the perfection of action, but the desire. So in our offerings of our lives, that's what we need to do, is have the desire to put it all before God. And when we fail, we, we, we apologize, and we ask for forgiveness, and then we get up and we try again. God loves that. He loves it. Our offerings to God is how we bless God, how we adore Him. And our lives are the greatest blessing, adoration we can give to God. So, how important is all of this? And again, we're talking about this idea of condescension, maybe looking down on others, maybe feeling like, oh, I'm spiritual, you're not. Well, how important is all of this? So much so that when someone showed an understanding of the appropriate relationship between sacrifice and obedience, Jesus was quick to acknowledge them. And it didn't matter who they were. If he getting connection, he looked at them and said, ah, there's something good here. This is, this is a great scripture. Mark 12, they're all great scriptures, but, <laughs> <laughs> but Mark 12, 28 to 34. We'll go uh, 28 through 31 to start. One of the scribes came and heard them arguing, and recognizing that he answered them well, asked him, what commandment is the foremost of all? Jesus answered, the foremost is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other greater commandment than these. So Jesus answers this scribe who's looking to just kind of, you know, see if he can stymie Jesus a little bit. And he answers him so eloquently by combining several pieces of the law into a single statement that puts God first. And it's no surprise. It's what he's saying is, obey God, because you love him so much. What's the reaction of the scribe? The scribe said to him, right, teacher, you have truly stated. And now here he repeats what Jesus said. It's much more than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered intelligently, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. After that, no one ventured to ask him any more questions. This is wonderful because now this, this scribe is there, you know, looking to see, you know, what, what, what can happen here, what kind of answer Jesus is going to give. And Jesus gives the answer, and the scribe basically says, look, you're right. And then he says something that's incredibly important and incredibly profound. He says, it, all, what you said, you know, love the Lord your God with your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself, is much more than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. He understood that obedience was bigger and more important and the primary thing that comes before sacrifice. And Jesus' response to the scribe was, you, my friend, are not far from the kingdom because you get this and so many people don't. He, this, this man was not being condescending. He was understanding, and he was actually reaching up instead of looking down. And Jesus recognized that because he wasn't condescending either. And he says, you are not far from the kingdom because you have this point of understanding where obedience fits. It's a beautiful, beautiful picture. Jesus compliments anyone who sees the godly relationship between obedience and sacrifice. And Rick, this totally disarmed the scribes and Pharisees. You know, it's the us against you mentality. But when we can cross over and say, 
you are right to someone else. It's amazing. And, and that's the thing. If you are having a, a, a disagreement and somebody on the other side says something that is right and true, do what Jesus did. Acknowledge that which is right and true. And, and it does throw them off, but in a, hopefully in a good way, because what it says is, I am listening as well as, as, as speaking my own mind. We've got to put this in perspective and do what Jesus did. That's the best way we can learn obedience. So, Obey in order to sacrifice lesson right here. What is it? Even if we do know more than another, let us always obey the example of Jesus. Respond in a positive, godly way as we continually offer our will to God. All right. So even if you do know more than somebody else, so what? Respond in that positive, godly way, just like Jesus did. Because Jesus always knew more than everybody around him. And yet he was tender and loving and compassionate and drawing those who wanted to be drawn and building them up. That's the way we should be. Those are the things that we should do. It's far too easy to look down on others and write them off. Okay? We, uh, you might want to consider following what Jesus did. Personal ego, gross sins, social acceptance, and superiority all misguide sacrifice. What else is there? Our YouTube channel has a lot going on. Go to ChristianQuestions.com slash YouTube. Featuring new releases every week. Check out our playlists like CQ Kids, Moments That Matter, and CQ Bible 101. Plus, we have even more new series content planned to roll out soon. So stay tuned at ChristianQuestions.com slash YouTube. All right, so so far we've seen how easy it is to take a shortcut to make ourselves look good in pretty much every area of life. The last thing to talk about is the human capacity to adapt to an increasingly godless society. Even with this pattern, obedience and sacrifice must be kept in perspective. So the final segment, we're going to be focusing on the society that we're in and how do we stay godly and obedient in that particular situation. Another quote, Jonathan, I'm not sure of the source, but again, it's about personal relationships and really gives a sense of what loyalty should mean. Some people aren't loyal to you. They are loyal to their need of you. Once their need changes, so does their loyalty. You know, and that's exactly society. And that's exactly, unfortunately, like a lot of uh, Christian faith. We become loyal to God when we feel like we need God, but if we're doing okay, well, we don't need him so much anymore, so we move on to something else. That's not the way it ought to be. No way. So before we get to our last example, Trish, my wife, uh, just handed me this note that, you know, Trish, I know you're listening. If you would have handed this to me about a half hour ago, it would have been so great because this statement sums up everything I've been trying to say, and it's so succinct. And she puts it in the form of a question, but I'm going to put it in the form of of a statement. Obedience is our character transformation. Sacrifice is the works based on that character transformation. That simple. Wow. (laughs) Straightforward, on target. That's exactly what we're trying to say here. We want to put ourselves in a position where we get the growth part, and we apply the growth part, and so the things that we do 
are honorable before God. It's easy to misuse all sacrifice to make us look good, though. So misusing sacrifice to appear obedient, what's our fifth example? The subtle temptation of progressively degraded morality. This is a subtle temptation because we don't see it degrading necessarily because it's a small thing here and there and here and there, but suddenly you look up and like, well, what happened? Well, we're going to read a scripture from Micah chapter 6. And as we read, listen carefully to how this scripture goes from reasonable to despicable. The, this scripture depicts the continual issue of making offerings for our behavior instead of being accountable for it and changing our behavior. This scripture reveals the tendency of humanity toward a dramatic outward show rather than taking humble, corrective measures personally. This attitude is where we get our extreme society today. Jonathan, this scripture to me is a huge wake-up call. We always quote Micah 6.8. You know, he has told you, a man, what's good and what does the Lord require but to do justice, love, kindness, and walk humbly with your God. We quote that Mm -hmm. all the time. That's everywhere you can find. Everybody knows that scripture. What are the verses before that? How do we get to that conclusion? Listen carefully. Micah 6, verses 6 through 8, and we're going to kind of interject as we go through this. With what shall I come to the Lord and bow myself before the God on high? Shall I come to him with burnt offerings, with yearling calves? Okay, let's pause there for a second. I've sinned. This is is Israel speaking. Well, what should I come to the Lord with? Burnt offerings and yearling calves? Should I offer sacrifices? Well, that's reasonable. but It's useless if your heart's in the wrong place, but it's at least reasonable. Here's what happens. We go from that, well, should I do what what God would expect in a ritualistic perspective? And then it goes to the next step, the first part of verse 7. Does the Lord take delight in thousands of rams? Thousands of rams. Should I, for my personal sin, offer God thousands of rams and sacrifices? Well, this is unreasonable. And even if it were reasonable, it's still useless. Because if your heart's not in the right place, God doesn't want you sacrificing the animals. Keep the animals. Get your heart right. So this is unreasonable, and again, still useless, but then it goes further. In 10,000 rivers of oil? This is impossible. Okay, Jonathan, first of all, I don't know of any rivers of oil, you know, in the entire world, okay? Now there's rivers of oil underneath the surface. I don't want to argue about that. But am I going to offer 10,000 rivers of refined oil to God uh, for my sins? This is impossible. It's exaggerated. So you see what's happening? It's, it's, it's a matter of degree. Shall I do what's reasonable? Shall I do what's unreasonable? Shall I do what's impossible so that I can show that I am, I am uh, repentant for my sins? Should I do these outward things? And then it gets, goes even further. Shall I present my firstborn for my rebellious acts, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? Hold on. This is heinously dark and evil, offering your child in sacrifice, utterly insulting before God, and this is obviously worse than useless. So it's saying, going from something that's reasonable that was mentioned in the law to completely dark, to completely evil. And it's saying, well, what do I need to do to get be right before God? And it gets down to this incredible darkness. This is the degrading of society being laid out before us. 
And, and Rick, this repulses God, what, what was just mentioned. Remember the Valley of Hinnom, the Valley of Slaughter? They sacrificed their children to Baal. And God said, neither came it into my mind, basically, that you would stoop this low, this heinous sin is, is disgusting to me. It is. And, 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 and again, this example is the subtle temptation of a progressively degraded morality. And you can see how it gets more and more dramatic. Are these the things that I should be doing? And that's where our society is. The more dramatic, the better it is. No, that's not God's way. You know what is God's way? Verse 8. He has told you, O man, what is good. What does the Lord require of you but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God? All that God wants is obedience. Just loving, humble obedience. True sacrifice is born out of humble, loving obedience. That's the character transformation of ourselves so that we can offer things to God that become acceptable because we're working on the transformation. Are we perfect in it? No. Do we fail? Yes. So what? Keep trying. God loves our effort. He loves the heart and mind working together, even if it's feeble. What a wonderful thing. So, Jonathan, your final point, point number seven of the process. Obedience is a process. It takes a heart filled with love towards God to be faithful. And that's like, that's the seventh point. That's the epitome of what we've been talking about. So if you followed through this entire podcast, we saw those individual examples at the beginning, you know, from King Saul and then King David and then the nation of Israel and then the scribes and the Pharisees and, and the wrongdoing, their judging of others. And now we're looking at the progressively degraded society and every case and every circumstance with every person all along the way, it's the same thing. Obey me first. That is the goal. Heart sincerity and our love for God will move us to obedience. We just need to recognize that. And again, it doesn't have to be perfect, but it does have to be an effort, an effort of the heart and an effort of the mind in agreement that we're going to try, even if we fail a thousand times, keep on trying. See, sacrifice was never the answer, even for Jesus himself. Jesus did sacrifice all, and yet he knew that such sacrifice without 100% obedience would not be acceptable. Obedience is the best sacrifice. Your transformed character is the best offering you can give to God. Psalm 40, verses 6 to 10, is a prophetic view of Jesus himself. We'll do Psalm 40, verse 6 first, and then we'll do 7 through 10 afterwards. Sacrifice a meal offering you have not desired. My ears you have opened. Burnt offerings and sin offerings you have not required. So again, this is prophetically looking at Jesus, and what it's telling us is it's not about the offerings. It's not about the offerings. It's not about the offerings. What is it about? These are beautiful verses to follow. Verses 7 through 10. Then I said, Behold, I come in the scroll of the book it is written of me. I delight to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. I have proclaimed glad tidings of righteousness in the great congregation. Behold, I will not restrain my lips, O Lord. You know, I have not hidden your righteousness within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your loving kindness and your truth from the great congregation. There's so much here. You know, first of all, 
it's written in the scroll of the book, it's written of me. Okay, so we know this is about Jesus. And then it says, I delight to do your will, oh my God. Where's God's law written? In his heart. In his heart. He knows it in his mind. It's written in his heart. And then because it's in his heart, because he knows it in his mind, then he says, I have proclaimed glad tidings of righteousness. I have sacrificed. I have, I've done the works that are necessary. I will not restrain my lips because this is what is driving me. I have not hidden your righteousness. I have spoken of your faithfulness. I have spoken of your salvation. I haven't concealed anything. Why? Because it's in his heart and he could not contain it. What an incredible, amazing example of obedience to the Heavenly Father by Jesus. And that is why he was the faithful sacrifice. Out of Jesus' obedience came his sacrifice, and out of his sacrifice came reconciliation. And you know, the interesting thing about it is Jesus did not have to once proclaim himself to be anything. He lived it. You know, the voice comes from heaven several times throughout Jesus' ministry. Behold my beloved Son in whom I am well pleased. Jesus didn't have to say it. God said it. Why? Because he obeyed. Always, always obeyed. And God gladly accepted the sacrifice out of that obedience. And he always gave God the credit and yes. didn't take it upon himself. That's the example. Obedience is always better than sacrifice. But obedience requires us to sacrifice as well. Let's not say, okay, I'm just going to obey and I don't have to do any sacrificing. Aha! No, no, no. Obedience, by definition, is living that life of sacrifice. So with obedience in mind here, here, uh, here are some of the sacrifices that we can happily give. Hebrews 13, verses 15 through 16. Through him, then, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God, that is, the fruit of lips that give thanks to his name, and do not neglect doing good and sharing, for with such sacrifices God is pleased. But Rick, in many cases, not all, that is, churchianity today displays showiness, lip service, jokes and entertainment. They've lost their focus on obedience. And we want to be careful that we don't fall into that. Now, look, is a little levity good? Sure. You know, and to be humorous sometimes can break the ice and to can help a lesson to be learned. But it's not about saying, hey, look at the jokes I can crack. It's about let's look at the word of God and try to crack the meaning of the, the depth. It says offer up the sacrifice of praise. Okay, the sacrifice of praise, the offering of praise. This is, this is what I give you, God. I praise you. You know, and the idea of praise is much more than saying, God, I love you. It's not, it's not the waving of your hands, you know, while you're in church. It's much more than that. Praising God is, is, is exalting him in our lives. The, the, he says, doing good and sharing, for the, um, and sharing for with such sacrifices God is pleased. So the fruit of our lips that give thanks to him, those are the offerings. Remember, a sacrifice is not something that necessarily has to be killed or anything like that. It's an offering. It's a gift that we give to God because it connects us to him. That's the key. You know, Jonathan, just, just very quickly before we begin to close, um, you know, the, the idea, there, there was a movie um, called The Rookie with Dennis Quaid uh, several years ago. And, and, I, and I love the movie because it's a sports movie and all that. But you know, at one point, he's an old guy uh, and he gets into the minor leagues and he's playing and he's, he's getting discouraged. He's about ready to quit. 
And before he quits, he watches some kids play baseball, and it renews his, his, his desire to play. And so the next day, he goes into the locker room, and he talks to the minor league star, and he says, hey, you know what we get to do today? We get to play baseball. And I think about that because I want to apply that same zeal, that same desire to say, Jonathan, you know what we get to do today? What? We get to be obedient. We, <laughs> we get to, we get to work at giving ourselves to God because there's no greater blessing in our life, no greater drive than to be obedient. We get to be obedient today. I mean, that is I so cool. I like that. That is cool. <laughs> Our final obey in order to sacrifice lesson. Regardless of the conditions of society or the experiences of our life, obedience before God is our most important obligation. When we continually abide in his mindset, the offerings that we give to God through Christ help us to truly bless God. Doesn't matter what the degraded society around us looks like, acts like, thinks like, or talks like. Doesn't matter. The standard for us is always the same. And if we focus on that standard, regardless of what else is happening, that's how we find our obedience. And that's how we can bless God. And remember, when we bless God, it means we adore Him. One final scripture, Jonathan, before we close, Philippians 2, 14 and 15. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, so that you will prove yourselves to be blameless and innocent, children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom you appear as lights in the world. And there are ways that we sacrifice right there. Blameless and innocent, children of God above reproach in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, be a light of the world. Am I a light to the people around me, to something higher, something good, something godly, righteous, something that other people can look at and say, wow, that's inspiring. Even if they don't like it, they look and say, man, there's something great, there's something wonderful, there's something different, because there's something higher than just us. It's obedience to God. That's what this really is all about. So folks, look, as we wrap this up, obedience and sacrifice— they're like inseparable twins. You need the two of them. There is no question. You have to have both of them in your life. But our sacrifice, the works of what we do, the things that we offer to God are not in line unless our heart and our mind are together on focusing ourselves on becoming what God would have us become. We're imperfect. We fall. Just get up again. Just say, I'm sorry ask for forgiveness. And when you fall again, guess what? Get up again. Because that is obedience, and that leads to the sacrifices of life that God can truly bless. And with God's blessing, is there anything better than that? Think about it. Folks, listen, we really do want to hear from you. Give us your feedback or send us your questions on this episode and other episodes at ChristianQuestions.com. Also, a big part of spreading the word about our program is subscribing to Christian Questions in iTunes or Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, whatever your favorite podcast channel is. Please rate us and review us. We'd greatly appreciate it. Coming up next week, we'll be talking about, now this is interesting, how can I be a giant slayer like David? And that's part one of our Warriors of God series. Talk to you next week.